0: You're listening to Comedy Central. Hey guys, welcome to the podcast. Happy Monday to you. Oh boy, I'm trying to talk better. I'm going to voice lessons right now and this voice is not working for me. It's from the back of my throat and it doesn't do me any favors. What's it called? Vocal fry. So I have to, now I want to be aware of my breath on my vocal cords going into my mouth. It's all about your your breath inside your mouth. That's what I'm learning how to sing. You like propel your breath into your mouth right behind your teeth and the higher you make your soft palate, then the higher you can make noises. I don't know. It's all very confusing. I go to these voice lessons every Saturday and I sing with this woman and it has been quite an experience because I am forced to do something I'm terrible at. Like I'm really forced to sing some stuff that I'm I'm is out of my vocal range. My voice is cracking. It sounds fucking awful. And um and it's hard because my range is like somewhere down here. Like I do better with like lower stuff and she's making me sing all this high stuff and I sound bad. Really really bad. And I just want to fucking throw my pickleball racket down and stomp off the court but it's forcing me to just persevere and to like get past the uncomfortableness. And I actually talked to her a lot about that because while I'm singing, I will start to like almost hyperventilate because I sound so bad. and And in my head, I'm like, you sound like crap. You're bad at this. And then I start thinking about every bad thing that's going on in my life. It's really weird. I get really meditative when I'm singing these like weird folk hymns. Like I was singing Shenandoah. And uh, in my head, I was thinking about everything I had to do that day, everything I was um, had to do tomorrow, all the th- things I have to do next week. Oh, my God, you need to find a place to live. Oh, my God, you need to pick out a car. I mean, all of these thoughts are coming up while I'm also trying to be aware of my breath and where it's, it is in my mouth and not um, it's it's just com- singing is fucking complex, dude. It's like playing an instrument. It's very hard. and I'm, And I'm not good at it. I have an, enough of a natural ability that it got me in the fucking room. But that's like saying that you have arms and so you can play tennis. It's It, it's, it doesn't really mean anything. Technically, my, my voice is garbage. And I'm going to work at it and it's going to be better. But it's a long road ahead of me. And it's so frustrating because I thought I walked in with a lot more talent than I do. Than I do have. But it was therapeutic because I ended up talking to her about how, like, this is helping me get past all the things – If I'm not good at something right away, I want to give up. And I'm not giving this up because I pay for the lesson and I have to get through it. An hour of just like singing. And I know how to get through a lesson and not get anything done. I'm maybe an expert in that because I took guitar lessons a lot in my life. And I wouldn't practice. I would go into the lesson not having practiced, embarrassed, mad at myself, and thinking how the fuck am I going to get through this hour it's like I haven't done anything since the last time I met this dude and the last time I met this dude I was worthless so I'm just gonna this is a waste of his time it's a waste of my parents money and so instead of being a disappointment to him I would just gawk over his skills and then have him just fill the lesson with him doing like riffs and me going whoa so tell me more about that and just having him like talk about himself oh hours up we didn't do anything oh no and then I would walk out with my little guitar and I would wait in the parking lot for my mom to come pick me up. But in the music lesson, I know how I can be – she she likes to talk to and I can get her going off on a subject. So I can waste time. But we're actually – she's actually not – we're not wasting time. When we talk about stuff, it generally is like about my emotions around singing. It's very emotional. And singing is emotional. Music is emotional. And then that's why it's all tied together and i was good at comedy right away that's why i stuck with it thank fucking god i found something that i was naturally good at i don't know what i would be doing now but singing is really hard and i'm and i don't know i just i compare myself to taylor swift and i know i shouldn't and like really good singers and you just there's no winning there they're so good and I just get so mad at myself because my voice does not do what it, I want it to do. I felt that way in acting classes too. And that's really frustrating because it's just talking, you know? And it's and it's just rehashing emotions that you have already lived. And all you have to do is, like, find those emotions and then do them again. And that's what fr- frustrates me about, like, um, playing guitar. It's like I have the same fingers as really good guitarists. I have the same muscle groups. I have the same... I I have total ambidextrousness or dexterity you know like when you look at someone you're like I have all the things they have why can't I just do it and of course it's about skill and practice and accruing like muscle memory and all that stuff but on paper I just should be able to do it and that's what for oh my god so many acting classes I would just sob in and it would just and I feel the it's weird because I would feel the same way in the, in the singing class. I'm just a little bit stronger now and a little bit better at at pushing my emotions down, but I almost burst into tears at this lesson because I was just feeling so bad about myself. And I I remember taking an acting class in 2006 when I moved to LA and I just cried so much in front of my whole class because I could not get it down. I could not get out I knew what I wanted to do and it wouldn't come out of my head. It's so frustrating. And that's how I feel with music. Why doesn't it, why doesn't the sound that I want to make come out? Why don't I, if you ever recorded yourself singing, like sometimes I sing and I think I sound amazing. And then you record yourself and you listen back and you're like, holy fuck. I mean, that's, I mean, I did that with my stand-up comedy act from January I listen back to that thing I'm like oh no you thought you were good what's the answer I mean honestly the answer to happiness for me is not ever listening to myself not in like my own like, not I do need to start listening to myself in terms of like when I don't want to do something saying no to it I've done a good job of it this weekend bad job in some ways I'll get into that in a second but listening to myself on recording no good only makes me feel bad brings me truly no um relief. It is good to do because you learn from it and eventually you get used to hearing your own voice and you get past it and you can kind of have a objective opinion of yourself. Um but that it brings me no- nothing but bad stuff to listen to myself or to watch myself. The other night I was on to tell the truth on <clears throat> ABC, NBC, whatever the fuck, CBS, I don't remember. I think it was ABC. And we shot it in November and um boy I was just like really hard on myself watching it my parents made me watch it because I don't let them watch anything when I'm I've been on tv a lot of times since I've been home and it's always like airing in the next room and I'm like I you can record it and you can watch it when I'm not around but I don't want to be here for it don't like watching myself and they're always like why and I'm like because I already feel like a fraud and when I see it It only confirms it. I've never – there's been times that I get to watch myself and I go, oh, it's not as bad as you thought. But generally, it's even – it's as bad as I thought or worse. So it's just not good for me to watch. But I watched To Tell the Truth the other night. And I was disturbed at the veins coming out of my neck. I thought one of my eyes looked lazy from having injections in my face, which it did. I looked weird. I had too much work done. Um, I don't think many other people would notice it but to me it really stood out and I was like and I was mad I learned you know what actually it was good to watch because I learned a lot I learned that the next time I go on tv and I'm going to be on camera even when I don't when I don't think the camera's on me keep having a good time because so often when you do those those um, game shows it's really cold in the studio and I'm always fucking freezing and when I'm freezing I'm in a bad mood And they're really long shows and the taping usually takes a really long time and sometimes you can get bored and distracted and annoyed even though you're making so much money for just being there playing a game show and I should be grateful. Sometimes it's hard to like keep a chipper demeanor and the next time I do one boy I'm going to be a little chipper chipmunk the whole time. I'm going to be smiling and having a good time. I'm going to force enthusiasm because that looks better on camera and I was watching myself being like come on bitch cheer up. But I think I was just depressed that day. I don't know what about, but it kind of showed on my face. It was a good show, though. I was pretty funny on it, even though some of my jokes went over people's heads. And not because they were so brilliant, but because they were just too weirdly subtle for, like, a game show. And you need to – you can't be really be subtle in those moments. You really got to come out, like, with a big old punchline and make – make uh, bigger, more obvious jokes. I'm nervous tonight because I have a, a roast to do. Elon Gold, comedian, friend of mine, is turning 50, and it's his birthday today, or tomorrow, yesterday, when you're hearing this. And he's doing a roast tonight for his birthday where everyone's doing a minute of roast jokes. I've written a couple, not enough. I got asked to do it, I'm mad that I said yes. I mean, I'm I'm glad I did because I love Elon. He's been so good to me and so nice to me. Really hasn't gotten me anything in the – I mean, not good to me in that sense. But he's always been very encouraging of me and made me feel very good about myself, which is what friendship is about. Not in this business, though. Give me something, Elon. No, he's always inviting me to things, and he's just – um, he's just a really nice guy. So I'm happy to be I, – I, I said yes immediately. And now the day has come to roast him and I am not prepared. I feel resentful that I have to like put on makeup and probably wash my hair, which I haven't done since Tuesday. It is now Sunday. Um, I hate washing my hair, as you guys know, because it all falls out and I get stressed out about it. Um, but I haven't written any jokes yet. I wrote a couple. I wrote that Um, I go, I think Elon thinks we're better friends than we are. Because I always say, I always call him buddy. And it's not because I'm your friend. It's because I don't know how to pronounce your fucking first name. Is it Elon or Elon? And then I'm going to say something else. Or is it E? Like I made, I was thinking of a joke. Like, is it a soft E or a hard E? And then I want to make some joke off of hard E. And I know it's probably going to be a dick joke, but. So there's some joke there. This is how I work jokes. It's like, I just think of like little like areas. There's another joke I want to make about, um, wow, like so many celebrities on this. You know, Jay Leno's doing it. Tiffany Haddish, Bob Saget, me. You know, who said no to this? That's who I want to know. And how? How did they say no? Who's their therapist? Can I talk to that person? How do you have the self-esteem to turn this down and to literally do anything better with your time? I live with my parents and this is annoying for me to do. I have nothing more to do than to go in the other room and watch season two of The Good Place, which is actually a real slog to get through. <laughs> I don't know. I don't. I, these are all just me, uh, just sh- attempting. These are just areas I want to go into. But I don't. He does a lot of voices. He does Stern. He does. Uh, jeff goldblum so i'll probably make a joke about that um but i really don't know how to pronounce his first name and every time i see him i freak out about his name i don't know what to say elon or elon because either one is like is right there's one that's right and one that is gonna sound weird to him and so i always just go hey buddy and i think that's why he thinks we're closer i mean that joke is just true you guys seen um that new netflix documentary the social dilemma yet i watched it with my parents last night we watched the first half i like to split up movies movies are too damn long and it leaves you wanting more you're excited to get back to it i like everything to be in small little increments like i said i've been watching the good place my parents and i are watching it season two guys i, I don't know <clears throat> Season one really was gripping. I loved it so much. I'm really having a hard time having fun in season two. We are going to stick through it, but I need your support during this time. The Social Dilemma is the movie that kind of goes along with the book, Irresistible, which I recommend so much more than the movie. Everyone, everyone after I talked about the, the book, Irresistible, not everyone, but a lot of people DM'd me and said, hey, check out the movie, The Social Dilemma. And I've only seen, you know, the first 46 minutes of it, but... Um, It's not as good as the book. It's just scratching the surface of this book that is not hard to read. It's actually a fascinating read. And I'm only halfway through the book, but I've already gotten way more out of the book than I did the movie. But the movie's good, and it's a good place to start if you want to just educate yourself about how this shit is programmed to make us all feel terrible about ourselves. It's designed that way. It's designed so that we feel insecure and it fucks with our, our, our brains. And they know we get addicted to it and they like that we do and they design it that way. It's so bad. I've Like I've said uh, last week, I took Instagram off my phone I think last Monday. And I have no plans of putting it back on my phone. I re-download it every time that I want to post something and then I take it off again. It actually is on my phone now. I'm, I'm lying when I say that. But I have a, a, an, a limit on the app now. 40 minutes of um, social media a day. It's annoying because you can't set a limit for an individual app. You can just set them for like Twitter and Instagram and then you give it a time limit and it's like between those two things you can set a time limit. So yesterday I set 20 minutes and I wanted 20 minutes for each of them which I thought is what I was doing. Then I got kicked off after I used up 20 minutes for both of them and I was annoyed. So I put another 20 minutes on. So it's 40 minutes a day for social media. That is it. So I'm in and out. I run in like I am going in a grocery store without a mask on. I do. I, I, do. I get in and I don't look at anything. I don't scroll. I don't want to see anything that's triggering, and I get the fuck out. I check my DMs to see if anyone with a blue check mark has DM'd me. Maybe my future husband. No, I, I, I check my DMs and then I, I leave, and then I post a little thing or two. But um, yeah, you got to check out the social dilemma. I actually, um, yeah, there is just the people that created. All the things we're using are on the, in this movie, just talking about how they're designed. And there's this one guy, um, Trist, Tristan, I think is how he pronounced it, Tristan um, Harris, who is really growing on me. I think he's adorable. I, like, followed him on Twitter just to be like, hey, what's up? Um, and he's the one that's, like, cracking it all open. He's really great and fascinating and has a lot of good stuff to say. And then there's this other guy from Facebook who is really hot, and I definitely Googled him, but he's, like – as I'm Googling him and writing in married, you know how you Google someone and you type in wife? As I'm writing that on on the documentary, he's like, and, and I try not – and I'm tucking my two children into bed and I'm like, never mind. Like how I'm watching these documentaries about like these horrifying things and I'm like, you know, combing for dick. Dick that I'm not even open to. I mean like let's be honest with ourselves. I am not – Open to anyone right now. Got asked to go on a hike last night. Said no to that for this morning. Instead, I went to Starbucks this morning and I wrote 36 cards to people who bought things from the Postal U.S. Postal Service. Like a month, about a month ago, I posted something online that said if you buy something from USPS.com. Send me the receipt. I will send you a thank you card to the first 20 people. Well, I got inundated immediately with so many people that bought stuff. And I pretty much just screenshotted for a while everyone that sent me a DM. And it, I think it's something like 55 or 60. So I'm half, more than halfway through um, all of the, the cards I had to write. So many. My hand felt like it was going to fucking fall off today. But I wrote, like, really nice cards to literally everyone. So – That was, it was nice to do, though. It feels good to, like, write a letter. It was, I was writing bizarre things. I mean, people are going to get cards from me that are going to make them concerned for my health, um, my mental health, and my physical health. Just coughing all over the cards, splattering the ink. No, I was in a Starbucks. I had a mask on, and I wasn't coughing because my friend, Michael Anthony, he's a local comic here. He has a great joke about how he's like, I haven't coughed in five months. He's like, I do all my coughing at home. Like, you got to you got to do everything. You got to wait until you get home in the privacy of your home. It's like racism now. You can only be racist inside. He's a black guy, so you can say that. Um, but yeah, so I did that today. I was supposed to go on a run tomorrow. Um, well, I just got asked to go on a run by the guy down the street, the neighborhood kid he texted me hey do you want to go on a walk or run around with your dogs at and then he said the school that i live by tonight and i said no i said thanks for asking me but i'm gonna pass and i feel guilty about it because why can't i go on a run with a nice guy who likes me um, and it's because i it's, i don't feel lovable maybe um, I don't really want to get to know anyone right now because I don't feel really good about the state of my life. Maybe. Um, I like being with my parents more than new people. Definitely, I want to watch the rest of the Social Dilemma. Yes, I need to write jokes for the Elon Gold roast that is giving me no money, and it's literally sixty seconds, and I'm probably gonna o- override it so much, and it doesn't matter. And yes. I just don't want to I don't want to hang out with anyone. <clears throat> That's not true. I did enough socializing last week. But I like being alone. I really, really like being alone. I did a Zoom hang with my girlfriends on Friday. That was really fun. We all had a really good time. I don't know. I, I like that. I would like to keep that. But I don't know. I'm not just like I'm just not dying to, to hang out one on one with people. Certainly not any boys. And I'm 36. I mean, I should be putting myself out there a little bit more. But that's why I'm trying to get a reality show, to force me to hang out with men. Not just men, women too. And not romantically. I mean, just like as friends. I I just – I don't know what's going on with me. But you know what I think is going on with me is the goddamn phone. I'm watching the Social Dilemma show, and they said that millennials who are addicted to their phones – Don't go on dates. Millennials aren't, like, meeting each other. They're not dating. They don't have – at all. Like, there's a huge drop in it because people are so isolated with their phones. I would rather be on my phone than with people. It has gotten to that. There's something wrong there. But I feel it. And now that I'm not on Instagram, all I want to do is just go read books on my phone, alone in my room. It is my biggest joy. I love it. I've been getting into books so much again and just really, like, kind of – becoming one of those n- girls that, like, you know, Belle in Beauty and the Beast. Her head's stuck in a book. Okay, this is, that's okay to do when you're, like, an adolescent girl and you're going through, like, a phase and you don't have any friends and you're, you feel like your books are your only friends or the spider in your fucking bathroom named Trevor who hasn't been around for three days. Yeah, Trevor, I'm talking to you wherever you are right now no longer living behind my toothbrush holder. I used to see Trevor every single day. For three days, Trevor and I had a thing going on. I was, like, really getting along with the spider in my bathroom. I had accepted that he was there to stay. He had accepted me. He was not screwing away every time I ran in. Like, seriously, I was getting, like, I was building a rapport with this fucking in- insect, arachnid. And then all of a sudden, one day, he just is gone. Two days ago. And it was right after I told my dad about him, I finally confessed to my dad that I had made friends with a spider in my bathroom named Trevor. And then my dad asked me about Trevor yesterday, and I was like, I don't want to talk about it. I haven't seen him for a couple days. And it's true. Every time I go in there, I, like, turn on the light, and I go, (gasps) and then he's not there. And just his web is there. His web of lies. What was I saying? Yeah, so I've been reading, like, a fuck ton. But I love it. I love it but then at what point I was talking to my therapist the other day I was like questioning everything about everything I do anything I enjoy I think I have a problem and I have to quit it and I feel like I'm being antisocial which reading is antisocial for sure because I like reading in my bedroom under the covers laying on my stomach with my sleep mask right above my eyes so that when I get tired enough I pull it down and boom I'm out I have my white noise machine blaring as I'm reading you want to hear what it sounds like when I'm reading this. And then I read, and it's the best. I'm reading a couple books right now. Let me walk you through them. Irresistible, I'm reading that. I'm 47% of the way through on that. Um, like I said, I'm reading Utopia Avenue by David Mitchell. My dad and I are both reading that. It's okay. I downloaded the sample and um, I got through that pretty quickly. That's what you can do on your phone. If you want to just try out books, you can download the sample. And um it gets you about forty pages in. And uh and I and he is a library book and he's really he's he's really like weird about me. Like if, if he catches that I'm reading his library book, he's gonna be like, get your own book. I just know it. So I have to sneak his library book to catch up with him because I don't wanna download it because it's fifteen dollars. And I'm like, this book isn't good enough to spend fifteen dollars on, but I'm gonna have to because he's getting mad at me about it. And then I'm reading this book about a girl. Um, let me pull up the cover. It's really obnoxious, to be honest with you. I'm, I'm kind of annoyed with this book. And so many people have recommended it to me over the years, honestly. Um, people have recommended it to me because it's about a girl with, um, you know, bulimia, anorexia um, memoir. It's called Wasted. And it's by Maria... Wasted, Marie M-A-R-Y-A, Maria Hornbacher. And it's really visceral. It's just about this little girl who catches an eating disorder when she's, like, very young, way younger than I was. And it's all about bulimia. And then she switches to anorexia, which, for me, I started with anorexia when I was 18, and then I switched to bulimia for, like, like a year. But it, she just goes into her like, visceral description of it. And I'm kind of a little bit reluctant. I think it's actually making me um, have like a little bit of slip back into behaviors because it's reminding me, it's romanticizing it a lot, which is dangerous. And I hate these books. I used to read these books when I was anorexic. I used to read all of these memoirs, which I can't believe I haven't read this one. I don't know when it came out though. Um, it came out in 1998. And she was like eight years out of her eating disorder she said which to me didn't seem like long enough and I feel like a little bit like she's still in it I don't know I just tend to think that people aren't fully recovered from things that they brag about being recovered from because as someone who has not been fully recovered from an eating disorder and talked about it like I was I know that we can lie to ourselves yeah the behavior can get better but you're still doing weird stuff with food and I just don't I I just don't trust this the, 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 like I don't it's not that I don't trust people with eating disorders but I have been a person that has it and we're good fucking liars and so I don't know I'm reading this book and I'm, it's, I'm flying through it it's really really good but if you struggle with eating disorders I do not recommend it if you are currently struggling with one don't read it it's very triggering and it might get you to slip back into old behavior because I used to read these books and take notes and get ideas so I'd, I think this book has probably done more a lot of harm Not more harm than good. I don't want to say that. Um, But I don't – it's not great for me and I got to pay attention to that. It's good for me to even talk about it on this thing because I'm hearing myself say it out loud. And I'm like, yeah, why do you like to like go in your room and be alone with this fucking book? And in the book, she is a girl that goes alone in her room and like spends hours and hours reading. And I'm like, oh my god. And that's why I think I'm feeling guilty about the reading thing. I'm like, oh, that's really like diseased behavior and I don't want to be like that. When really I just like reading a book. Really? Like do I have to judge that so harshly? But I have to question every decision I make. This weekend I said a lot. I, I didn't do stand-up comedy, which I was going to go do. I didn't go on a hike for a boy that asked me to hang out. I didn't. Um, I just I feel like I haven't been very social this weekend. And I don't know what I did, but I felt pretty busy. But I just feel bad. I feel guilty about the choices I've made even though i made choices that i thought were good for me in the in the in in the moment you know i had a good weekend why do i have to ruin it by being like well you didn't do this and you didn't do that i did a lot i was supposed to run 22 miles tomorrow thank god i'm not doing that it's my brother-in-law's birthday tomorrow happy birthday matt he's 35 and i went over to his house yesterday after my singing lesson cuz they live by the place that i go for that <clears throat> And I drop by and he goes, Oh, it's it's my birthday on Monday, I'm 35, I'm gonna run a 35k. And I go, that's like twenty-one miles or something. He's like, it's twenty-two. I'm like, Jesus Christ. He goes, You wanna do it? And I'm like, Don't fucking ask me that. He goes, Come on, you could do it. We did we did thirteen. Did you suffer after that? And I was like, No, I didn't. It's actually very it wasn't I'm not gonna say it was easy because during it was hard but it was the kind of hard that was like really rewarding and like not un undoable for me like it was it was it was actually really really fun to accomplish something that was that hard but it wasn't I could do 22 miles I know I could so I said yeah let's do it he talked me into it I was like I'm going to run 22 miles with him and his boss friend he has a friend who's also his boss. And they they do – that guy does like ultra marathons. So 22 miles is nothing for that dude. So we we're going to do 22 miles tomorrow, Monday, when you're listening to this. I was supposed to be running. And then Matt today came over and goes, I can't do the run. I stepped on a skewer. And I was like, my voodoo doll worked. I was like, thank fucking God because I would have been running 22 miles. We're going to do it next weekend, I think. I know that's insane. But – I just need to do – I want to do something that's – I felt so alive after I did the 13 miles. And if I do 22 miles, I'll know I'll be able to do a marathon. I don't ever really need to do a marathon. I know I'm trying to divorce myself from having these goals because that's one of the things I'm reading about in the book Irresistible, which I really recommend. It's like uh, we set these goals for ourselves. We have these fitness watches on that make us feel bad about not doing 10,000 steps a day. And so we go out even when we're tired and we do things we don't want to do. And and goals are just – They're killing us and they're making our lives miserable. And, but it's, it's honestly not a goal of mine to run 22.78 miles. It would, I would only do it because I honestly think it would be fun. So I'm going to do it next weekend, but I am not doing, man, I was going to do it right as you're probably listening to this. I was going to be on a run and I'm so grateful I'm not, I don't know what I'm doing right now, but it ain't that. I hope you're having a great day and I hope we have a great week together here on the podcast. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Squirt, squirt, jackpot. This has been a Comedy Central podcast.